0: Well, good morning again. So glad you guys are here to worship with us this morning. Great to see you. I know we all have been in and out on vacation a lot, so it's great to be back and to see you. Um, So excited about this series that we're doing. If uh, you're new here, we're kind of in the middle of a series called Upside Down. And God is always asking us to do things that are contrary to our natural thought. The Bible's filled with these commands that seem, uh, as they come to us, it's like, wow, this is really different. This is different than I would have naturally thought. And so we're excited to share another topic with you today um, in this upside down series. This one might be the one that's near most of your top things of, wow, this is a really difficult thing for me to accept. And today we're going to be talking about using your talents and everything that God's given you to influence other people for Jesus. And I know that when we talk about influencing people for Jesus, a lot of you just start instantly cringing in your seat. But please don't do that yet. As I'm sharing with you today, um, it isn't always natural or comfortable to invite people into a relationship with Jesus. But God has given you some great tools. God's given you the influence and the ability to do this. And it's really an exciting privilege to be a part of what God is doing. And that's really at the heart of what we do here at H2O. I took a little paragraph off of our website. So I could share this with you. I don't know how many of you even go to our website anymore or read about our mission and what we're doing, but we have a lot of new people coming in this last year. And so you're probably still thinking, what's H2O all about? Well, I will read to you off of the website what we are all about, and here's one of the things. H2O is a university organization. We love college students and a church designed to impact the campus and the city. We love the community and the city people of Bowling Green. And we are a community of people seeking to live out the values that Jesus taught us. Our mission is to engage the campus and the city of BG to inform people of the gospel of Christ and to inspire our community to live like Jesus and change the world. That's really as best we can describe what we are all about. What we've been all about for almost 40 years is we want to love the campus and love the city. We want people to come to know Jesus because we believe that that influence and that ability that God has given us to speak to people can really change the trajectory of their lives. In a simpler way, we're inviting people to find and follow Jesus together. And I love this mission. This mission has changed my life. If you haven't heard my story, I'll just summarize it quickly for you. I came here as a freshman, 1988, and some people from H2O came to me in Roger's dorm. Now, Rogers Dorm, if you have not heard of that, that's because you're younger, and that building has been demolished now, and that is where Centennial stands. And these two guys from H2O, named Larry and Gary, okay, sounds like a comedy routine, but they were not, they came and they were just asking me some spiritual questions. They were total strangers to me. I found out later, the older guy was teaching the younger guy how to share the gospel, And they sat down with me and they shared the gospel. They asked me some awesome questions. I was locked in. I loved everything they were saying. I could tell God was speaking to me through them. And about 30 minutes later, they said, do you want to ask Jesus into your life? And I said, yes. It was like so clear, like, yes, I have to do this. And I prayed with them and a bunch of those guys from from his small group and in our dorm in Cole Hall and in Roger's followed me up, and I got involved with H2O. I, re, I imagine that Larry, who was training Gary, probably walked away from that conversation with me and was like, that's how you share the gospel with people. <laughs> you know, it was pretty crazy that in that short amount of time, God spoke to me in such a deep way. And I can say that was the best decision of my life. Everything good in my life, without any exaggeration, has been because of my relationship with Jesus. It changed how I thought. It changed how I thought about myself and about other people. It changed my heart. It gave me the confidence and the purpose in life that I was lacking, the shame and the guilt that I walked around with in life. Jesus came in and loved me and helped me through that. It's helped my marriage. It's helped my ministry, my friendships, my finances, everything in my life that's good can be traced back to that decision about 30 years ago. I am so thankful that those two guys went out of their way to tell me about Jesus. I'm so grateful for that. And I don't know if, you know, even those guys at that moment walking into Roger's dorm that day knew that, you know, today we're going to lead somebody to Jesus, And I don't think a lot of us realize how when God is working through us, we can really impact people's lives. We can change the course of their lives because of this interaction with Jesus. So here's the big idea for today. Don't underestimate your ability to influence people for Christ. Don't underestimate what God wants to do through your life and your sphere of influence and the people in your life and how you can be this spark. You can direct their eyes to God and to eternal things. And as they watch you and they find out that you're a Christian and you're walking with Him, how that might change their hearts. I think a lot of us underestimate the power of God in us and how he wants to work through us now I know that talking to people you know when I, I share this uh, I've had people come up to me after a message like this and say that was a great message there is no way I'm doing that <laughs> okay I appreciate the honesty of people saying that to me when they come up and say great message there's no way I'm going to tell people about Jesus I've had people say that many times And as I've drawn out people about that, there's just a few things, several things that I hear them say that maybe you're sitting there thinking today, and I want to go through those. I want to go through four things, four reasons why you might be thinking right now in your seat, I can't do this, I won't do this. And let's let's just explore that together. So why is sharing our faith with others so hard? Why is it so upside down to us? Well, here's the first thing. Number one, many of us, some of us, we're not really sure we need Jesus in order to go to heaven. I'm not going to assume that all of you sitting here are just confident in this. Many people come and say, you know, I like church. I like the things that Christianity has to offer. I've got some good friends in this church, but I am not sure that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And if you're wrestling with that today, I just want to tell you that you're welcome here. We are so glad that you're here. Maybe you haven't made that commitment to Christ. Maybe in your mind and in your heart, you're not sure that that bold statement is something that you can own. And, and we just acknowledge to you, that is a bold statement. That is a hard statement to accept. I, I am not naive to that thought That after all these years, or even as a pastor, the boldness of saying that Jesus is the way to heaven. And if you're wrestling with that, again, we're so glad you're here and we encourage you to keep wrestling with that and keep praying and keep reading and understanding what the Bible says and what great theologians say and and what God is doing in your heart. But at H2O, we just want to communicate that we're really just doing our best Even though it sounds bold and it sounds upside down to a lot of people in the world, we're doing our best to follow what the Bible says. And in the Bible, all through the New Testament, it talks about how Jesus is the only way to heaven. In the book of Acts, Acts 4.12, one of the verses that I memorized early on as a Christian, it says that salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is one of the clearest verses that we as Christians would, would talk about and bring our attention to. That in the book of Acts, Jesus gave these guys this mission. And he said to them, I came and I died for your sins. I came and I died for mankind's sins because I love you so much. And we are not getting to heaven. We're not going to be able to have this relationship with God in this closeness that we long for because of the sin and the obstacle of sin in our lives. And so Jesus came and he said, I want to take that away. I'm going to die for you to open up those gates of heaven so that you can have a relationship with God and go to heaven. And the disciples that were were experiencing this stuff in the book of Acts, you know, most of them gave their lives for this principle. Most of them died as martyrs. They were persecuted and killed because they were telling the people, This is the only way of salvation. There's no other way. There's no other person that's come to free us of our sins so that we might be saved from our sins. And people killed them for it. And it's something that we still believe so dearly, even though it's bold and it's upside down in many ways. We recognize that Jesus was God. And he came down with the purpose to free you and I of our sins. It's like the greatest gift that any of us could have ever gotten. God himself saying, I love you and I want to forgive you. And that's what we're building this whole thing on, Jesus. The foundation is on Jesus and his way. A second thing that people say to me a lot in this realm is when we talk about respect and tolerance, which is a really important thing. People say, well, we want to respect other religions. And consider that maybe all roads lead to God. Surely most of you have heard this a lot, right? In the news and in our culture and in spiritual debates. And again, maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking this. And again, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're wrestling this with this. And, and maybe you're thinking, yeah, I do kind of believe that all these religions are leading to God. So I don't need to go out and influence people to believe in Jesus because... You know, as long as they're dedicated to their religion, isn't that an okay thing? And let me just qualify that to say that as Christians, as Jesus lives inside of us, we always want to love and respect people. We always want to to engage with people with gentleness and kindness And we tolerate other religions, just like we want to be tolerated, and we want to be able to have healthy dialogue with people. And that should be done like Jesus did it, in this beautiful dialogue, not in hate, or not with intolerance, or or disrespect. Those are not Christian things. But we can still respect people and love them, but disagree with their spiritual beliefs. In 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. What Paul is preaching here to Timothy and what Paul was preaching to the people of that time is that just as I was sharing with you, God was there in his holiness, and mankind was here in their sin. And the only mediator, the only one to bring peace between those two, was the one that could die for our sins. And the Bible says that very clearly. There's only been one person that's died for your sins in all of human history, and that is Jesus Christ. And what did he do? he gave himself as a ransom for us. And this has now been witnessed to by the people that saw him raised again from the, the grave. And so although we love other people of other religions, this point is so crucial to our faith that we need to be able to love people but tell them that Jesus is the only one that can die for us. You know, Ravi Zacharias is a, is a, a, a preacher and a, a pastor and an author that I really love. I, I listen to his stuff a lot. If you're very interested in all these things that we're talking about, Ravi Zacharias is a great resource, and he wrote a book called Jesus Among Other Gods. And one of the quotes from that is that truth by definition excludes. If we believe any kind of capital T truth in our lives... Then that is going to automatically exclude other things and other beliefs. If you and I say, I really believe Jesus is God, then if somebody else comes along and says, no, Jesus was not God, we can't just reconcile those two. Those are two completely different things. You know, if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead and overcome our sins, the Bible tells us that we're fools for what we're living for. But there are other religions that very clearly say that Jesus did not rise from the dead. And those are things that we need to dialogue about. Those are things that we need to engage people about because we really believe that this is the truth. You know, when we planted our church at H2O Toledo uh, six years ago, we have been up there with that church plant, it was just such an exciting experience. We had just... So many hopes and and so many times of prayer to pull together to really just pray through what we wanted to see happen in the last, you know, five or six years. And when we started that church plant, one of the things that we did was we had this little journal, a prayer journal, and we wrote down 20 key things that we wanted to see happen at Toledo. And as the years went on and we prayed for those things, God answered each one of those we just kept going down the list and scratching them off and praising god that he was answering all these prayers and it was really exciting and one of the last things on the list that we had to cross off that we were so excited about is our whole team that went to toledo was just very excited about the diversity at toledo and at that time when we were planning the church we had a whole bunch of people from Saudi Arabia that were coming to Toledo, a very large population of Muslims that were coming to Toledo. And one of our staff guys, Doug, had just such a great passion to love the Muslim people. So Doug spent years reaching out to the Muslim people, inviting them to our events and having them come around, and it was just so cool to see his influence. But one of the things on the checklist of, of, among many things was, Lord, would you use us to see a Muslim come to Christ? And we prayed for that for five years straight. And all other 19 things were answered on that list, okay? And we had a few Muslims that were coming around, they would would come to our fall retreats. They were coming to our Bible studies. We had a party at our house, and a bunch of them came to our farmhouse for a party, and we were getting to know all these people, and it was really cool, and half of them were named Mohammed, and so that was kind of confusing, trying to figure out their names, but it was just this really great experience, and there was one guy that came, and he just loved everything. I mean, he was so into everything, and one day we were dialoguing with him, and he's like, cornerstone that song cornerstone that is my favorite song of all songs ever written and we're like that's crazy do you know what that song is singing about that jesus is the cornerstone he goes yeah i get it but boy i love that song and he would come on sundays and he would worship and we're just like wow what is god doing in this guy's life and finally in the fifth year that brother asked jesus to come into his life And we just celebrated, and we were so excited for him. And he was so uh, possibly negatively treated by his other Muslim friends, he got baptized in his apartment in his bathtub with just a handful of H2O people because it had to be secretive for his own safety. And on the last day of school when he had to go back to Saudi Arabia, we just gathered around this brother and just laid hands on him and prayed for him. He said, will you just give me courage because I'm going to go home, and I'm going to tell my family that I love Jesus. It was incredible. It was so amazing. And you know, he said what a lot of Muslims say. is He said, I did not know as, as a Muslim that we could be intimate with God. He said that. And I've heard a lot of Muslim people say that. That they, didn't, they don't have that part of the religion. That there's God and here's mankind. And then God wants to reconcile us into this intimate relationship. And it was just so exciting to see his journey. And you know, those are the things that, that just remind us of this mission that we're on. His life has changed. He's a new person. And we have that opportunity to impact people. And be a part of it. And it's something special that God wants you to be a part of. Which leads us to the third thing. Is a lot of people say, well, isn't this just the pastor's and the staff's job to do this? Okay, that's the third thing that a lot of people say. You know, I'm all for the gospel going out. But I'd really like it if just the pastors and the people that get paid to be missionaries go out and do it. I don't want to be a part of it, but I want others to do it. People think that they're not gifted in it, and so they want to delegate it to other people. But again, back to the book of Acts, this makes this very clear that he commanded us to preach to the people. That's to all of us. And to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. In the book of Acts 10 here, it's making it very clear that he's commanded us to go out and preach. And that is one of the things that I've really loved about H2O for the last 30 years is that we believe that all of us have this responsibility and this privilege to go out into the world and be influencers. We really don't want us to do most of the work and for you to be spectators in this Christian endeavor. We believe that we are all participants. Not one of us is a spectator to this mission. And that's why I'm just so excited about our leadership development and our empowerment to you and that we, we come together and we worship here together, but hopefully out in the city, which many of you do, you are lights in this city. And you are lights in your workplace and at school because we believe this is a team effort for every one of us to go out there and do this because you might be the best person in your environment to lead somebody to Jesus I believe that with all my heart, that there are people in your life that you would be a much better witness to than I would, or that Brian would be, or that the staff, and that God, living inside of you, wants to use you to impact people. Jesus, as he looked out at the crowd in in Matthew chapter 9, this moment of compassion, where Jesus is probably tearing up, and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are people living all around us right now racked in guilt and shame. They're lonely. They're hurting. They're lost. They're spiritually frustrated. They're confused. They, they don't know what's going on in their life. They don't have a purpose. They're agnostic. They're atheist. Whatever it might be, they're out there, and there's no way that just the pastors and the staff could reach all these people. But God is saying to you personally, I want you to be a laborer for me. Would you go out and step out in faith? And I know it's upside down. I know it's hard. I know it can be scary. But I want you to to try to do this. I want you to come alongside with me and be a witness. You know, a lot of times, I was just talking to somebody recently, and we've heard this a lot at H2O, And the conversation goes like this. Man, I I was feeling this uneasiness in my life, and I started wondering about spiritual things. And I saw an H2O poster, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Then I was on campus, and somebody handed me a sticker or a water bottle, and I thought, oh, this is interesting. You know, what's God doing? And then a person came along and said, hey, would you like to go to H2O? and the person's like, "Okay, God, I hear you." You know, we hear that story a lot. Maybe that's your story. I don't know. But that's a lot of people's story. And what I love about that is usually the people that are inviting them to church are not me or the staff. It's it's you. And God is using you as a an arrow. He's using you as this this light. He's using you as an ambassador to point people to Jesus. And this is what C.S. Lewis is saying in this quote, is these people need these, these signs. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. We believe that, sadly, there are people going in a destructive direction. And it haunts me and and tortures me to know that people might go their whole life and no one asks them, hey, how's it going spiritually? How's it going with God? What do you believe happens to us after you die? It haunts me that they might go their whole life and no one asks them that question. And C.S. Lewis is saying, that's, that's the gradual road. No one interfering. No one bothering them. No turnings. No direction. And no signposts. And man, God is hes calling us together, every one of us, to be a signpost. To just direct their eyes toward heaven. And the last thing that we hear a lot is that I can't share my faith well, and I don't want to fail. We're all so scared of this. You know, we're all so scared that we're sitting there thinking, I don't have what it takes, I can't do this, and I'm just going to fail. I'm going to, it's going to be awkward, and I can't do it. And I love what Rebecca Pippert here says in a, out of the Salt Shaker. She says, our problem in evangelism is not that we don't have enough information It's that we don't know how to be ourselves. We forget we are called to be witnesses to what we have seen and know, not to what we don't know. The key on our part is authenticity and obedience, not a doctorate in theology. I just love what she's saying there. Just be yourself and tell people your story. Tell people what God is doing in your life, and that is a great, powerful witness. Just what they see in you and what they can know about you can be very powerful. You know, we've named our church after John 4, where Jesus is interacting with the Samaritan woman. We probably share that a lot. And in John 4, Jesus is at the well and he says, I'm the living water. Okay, If you know that story in John 4, it's a pretty cool story of Jesus' forgiveness toward this sinful woman. And he says, I can give you a water, H2O, that will never uh, allow you to be thirsty again. And you know what's the cool thing that we don't always highlight in that chapter? That woman believes in Jesus. And you know what she does after that? Right after that, she goes to the city where she's from and she says, hey, you're not going to believe this guy that I met. He's amazing. Come out and see him. And the people come and they believe in Jesus. And they say, we don't just believe because of what you said. Now that you've introduced us to this guy, Jesus, we love him. And we want him to stay with us and talk to us some more. And they believe in him. And this woman, this Samaritan woman, was probably a believer for about an hour before she went and told her story and influenced all these people, how much more you and I, with our Bible knowledge and our experience, you know, I think we have what it takes. I know that we have what it takes because really it's about Jesus inside of us. He says, preach the word in in 2 Timothy 4. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. When we have patience, and we just ask God to use us, and we're prepared, we're going to be able to lead people to Jesus. You know, I've been enjoying watching the World Cup, and um, my brother's in town with his nephew, and they're having a soccer tournament right now in Perrysburg, and so even yesterday we're out watching some soccer, and it's fun to watch, and it's exciting to see them all running around. And I was remembering yesterday watching these really good athletes play soccer when my kids were really little playing soccer. And if you've ever watched little kids play soccer, they get in those little clumps, okay, and they're all just kind of kicking the ball and and they're moving around in this clump and it's not very entertaining to watch at all. And I remember when my kids were really little and they were a little sheepish to even get in there and kick it. And sometimes if you go to these games with the parents and the little kids, the parents are usually just yelling like, kick it, just kick it, kick it, you know? And the little kids are like, you know, it's so funny and cute. And I was just thinking about this analogy of how in Christianity, a lot of us, we want to be on the soccer team, okay? We want to be in the Christian group. And we love the uniforms, and we love the team. We love running around. We love doing the drills. We run through the cones. But sometimes we don't want to kick the ball. And as crazy as it would be to be on a soccer team, okay, and go through all the motions of the soccer team and never kick the ball, that would be pretty crazy and pretty ridiculous That is how a lot of Christians are in the Christian world. And what that means is the point of us being on the team is to know God and to help others know God. And when we help somebody else know God, that is like kicking the ball. That is like scoring a goal. That is what we are doing on this earth for those that have committed their life to Jesus We're now trying to make the team win. And we need to engage. We need to go for it. We need to kick the ball and try to help people come to Christ. What can we do to invite people to follow Jesus? Here's some just quick thoughts. Is number one, we need to just pray for people. You know, that's the most important thing you can do is be praying for people. Tell them your story. Come up with some easy questions like, You know, do you believe in God? Uh, What's our purpose? Did you grow up any spiritual beliefs? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you think about the Bible? Come up with some questions that are easy for you to ask people. Invite them to church. Invite them to our groups. Invite them to serve with us. You know, I just love that Friday night a lot of you were out here giving out the snow cones. You know, the city was doing their thing, and we were just trying to love on the city and serve the city. We opened up this building to have people come in and use the bathrooms and give them some free snow cones. There's so many great ways in this city and in our campus to serve people and to love people. And we can share Jesus by serving people. Be an example by serving them. Give them a gift. Have a meal with somebody and then pray some more. Pray that God would use you in somebody's life. Let's pray.